Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 419 of Longbox Heroes. Joe and Todd joining you. Todd, we've got a busy show today. Yes, we do. And I'm fully rested and ready to go. That sounds like several lies all wrapped up into one giant lie. One giant lie tortilla. Yes. Uh, so we have a lot of fallout uh, from New York Comic Con this past weekend, uh, both in the news and both in digital sales. Of course, we'll have the mention of the conventions going on this weekend, but we'll also have Todd's discussion of all the fun that he had at New York Comic Con as well. Mm-hmm. He was that you were there for the full four day experience. Yes, I was, and it felt like eight days. Mm-hmm. That month you spent in New York four days ago. That's right. Uh, like I said, digital sales and freebies again. Of course, new uh, freebies. The freebie list has been updated, and we'll get into that. Uh, what we read this past week, which is Superior Octopus number one, Lone Ranger number one, and Dead Rabbit number one. Mm-hmm. Kind of snuck those in there on us, uh, the, that last one at least. Uh, That's what, right. we're, what we're looking forward to coming out this week Todd's Art Attack, and then a surprise edition of TV Talk. A surprise edition? Right, and by surprise edition, Todd doesn't know what TV show we're, we're going to be talking about. Hmm, okay. But if he puts on his Sherlock Holmes cap, he might be able to figure it out. All right, I'm putting on my uh, deerskin cap. That's mm-hmm. a, that's what kind of hat uh, the, the Holmes hat was. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. So it was. let's get into some of the news from uh, New York Comic Con this past weekend. Now, the first one that I want to start off with is this company called Humanoids that's starting up, right? They're, they're launching this summer, like July of 2019, right? Right. And I say starting up, apparently they've been around forever, but now they're just kind of getting their ducks in a row, uh, hiring a bunch of big-name talent, uh, giving people like Mark Wade uh, high-level positions at the company, and they're supposed to be launching a big you know, universe. Mm-hmm. And I just want to bring this up in that to me, this feels like this has been done before. Or cross gen. This has been announced before by many other companies, right? Cross gen stuff like that. Well, even more recently, and you know, we rib them cause we love, but like Valiant even tried to do this or, um, you know, I think IDW even tried to do a whole thing where, like, their Hasbro stuff was all part of a self-contained universe and did a couple crossovers to announce it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, in Valiant's defense, they were, you know, they had a they had the company beforehand before they did it again. Mm-hmm. And it was a giant, one, you know, one shared universe, you know, back when the, the first comic boom. So they're, they're fine. But I know what you're saying. It seems like uh, they everybody tries to get their universe together after, you know, you have these cinematic universes and everything. Right, but they have John Cassidy on and uh, as a creative officer and Mark Wade as the director of creative development. Right. And it looks like they're, you know, they got a bunch of good talents in there, other artists that look to be really top-notch. But I just... 
I feel as though we've been here before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we are, I, I have to give them, we're still nine months out from this thing launching. But I feel as though this is just doomed for failure. I kind of agree, unless they have the next Jason Aaron, the next Neil Gaiman, the ne- you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you have to have one breakout hit and i mean it ha- he has to be the best of the best of the best because i think in a in a flooded market with dc and marvel and image taking up most of the the rack room on uh, in, in a comic shop it gets harder and harder you know to to get noticed and you know like oh it, i people get 50 batman titles a month and then whatever tie might tie into the Batman title, they don't have time to try this new thing in this universe for three ninety nine. It's it's really tough. And like like I said, unless you have like one of the greatest stories ever told, people will will glance over it. That's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. So I, I wish them the best. You know, I, I hope they do well. I I don't even recognize their stuff being in previews to be honest with you yeah and i peruse previews pretty pretty well you know what i mean and i'm looking Ah. i'm just looking at their website now and like i said you know they have their big launch that they're rolling out uh in july of next year but i'm just looking here they had two books come out in june they had two books come out in july they had one book come out in august they had two books come out in september and they had one book come out in october Right. And it looks to be a, a mix of stuff. There's superhero stuff. There's slice of life stuff. There's sci-fi mm-hmm. stuff. Horror stuff. But, you know, I'll, uh, you know, we'll see if we can get them, uh, you know, get them on the list. And, you know, hopefully we can, uh, I don't know, get some stuff and maybe talk about it. But it just, it seemed like it was a big push. But it seems like it might be a futile push. Right, especially when your your big announcement comes out with so many other big announcements around it. Yeah. You know, like you're doing it at New York, you're unveiling it at New York, where, I don't know if you know this, Joe, there was a few other announcements made. <laughs> right, and we'll get into those here. Um, so, just as a follow-up from our story from last week, talking about announcements, we were postulating, speculating what these additional Conan books were going to be, if they were just going to be reprints, uh, or whatever they were going to be, and we do know... Uh, that Conan the Barbarian, the main book coming out in January, that's the Jason Aaron uh, Mahmoud Asrar book. And they did announce that the second title, The Savage Sword of Conan, uh, is going to be written by Jerry Dugan with art by Ron Garney, which is a good creative team. Covers by Alex Ross. Okay, there's another hook. Still don't know what age of Conan is going to be. But we really don't have more information as to what Savage Sword is going to be other than at least a creative team, and we know it's not going to be just reprints. Right. And the other thing that this actually has, which interests me, but I want to know what it's going to be, is it's going to have three-page prose stories in the back. So I don't know if that's going to be original uh, Conan stories or brand-new Conan, you know, actual prose stories, which uh, I find completely interesting. Right, so at least we have a little bit more information as to what that's going to be. I wonder, like, it says that they're short stories, but I wonder if they're going to be interconnected. Like, that's going to be your through line to get all three books to get that full story. 
Right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit more fuel to the fire of speculation. Right. Now, one of the other things that was officially announced that not only is the next big Jason Aaron Thor thing that he's doing War of the Realms, but it looks as though that's going to be Marvel's next big crossover. It's not just going to be a Thor crossover. It's going to be a Marvel Universe crossover. I think we all saw that coming, though, didn't we? Maybe I'm naive, Todd. I didn't. I thought I called that shot a while back. You may have, but I don't like it. Because every time that one of these things happen, whether you go all the way back to... What was the one that Matt Fraction did where it was supposed to be a Captain America Thor crossover? Original Sin? Was that it? Original Sin was... No, Original Sin was the one with Nick Fury and the Watcher. Right. The murder of the Watcher, which was Jason Aaron. Right, that was Jason Aaron, but there was another one. That mu- Siege? No, not Siege. That was still Bendis. But there was another one that Fraction did. Hang on, I'm going to have to search this out. I hate typing stuff up, but I have to. I thought the Siege was a, was a Thor one that Bendis didn't do. No, what was the Fear Itself? Was that it? Fear Itself, that's the one. Okay. So Fear Itself was originally just supposed to be a Thor-Captain America crossover. And then it's like, it's you know, the interviews is like, well, it got a little bit too big, so we decided to make it an entire Marvel Universe crossover. And the problem with it is, I feel as though these Marvel Universe crossovers are a dime a dozen. They're here today, gone tomorrow. They're supposed to be these big, giant, worldwide, epic-changing things. And the bigger they become and the more often they happen, the less of an actual impact they have. Right, like metal, got you. Okay, and yes, metal was a failure. Again, we don't really hammer it home too much, but metal got me to read less books, which was not the intention of these big giant crossovers. Mm -hmm. The big giant crossovers are to get you to try other books and maybe, uh, you know, keep those books on. But more and more, you know, even more recently with Secret Empire. Secret Empire was happening right around the time, I'll never forget, it was like maybe like Doctor Strange or something was getting a new creative team. It was in between before Donny Cates took it over. It had like a two or three issue arc that was happening right as it was being a Secret Empire crossover. And I'm like, new creative team and crossing over with something I have no interest in? Perfect opportunity for him to drop a book that I'm already reading, you know? And didn't that have a Jason Aaron issue... That that fill in and then another Jason Aaron issue on Doctor Strange. No, I think it was uh, like we got the two or three issues that crossed over with Secret Empire, and then we got Jason Aaron's last issue. Okay, that's how it worked. Yeah, right? it was just one last issue, and then the Donny Kate stuff picked up. Got ya. But I think if this stayed contained in Thor. And you want to throw one other thing in there. Throw cosmic-y stuff in there, right? The Asgardians of the Galaxy. Well, not even Asgardians of the Galaxy. Like, whatever you're doing with Guardians of the Galaxy coming up this year, like, that somehow leads into it as well. Right. 
Because as Guardians of the Galaxy begets Guardians of the Galaxy, there's a few other cosmic-y stuff that's out there. Or even if you just wanted to like have it be this corner of the Marvel Universe or that corner of the Marvel Universe, they touch in with Thor, and that's how War of the Realms comes up. To, to me, in recent memory, last 15 years or so, the best crossover that either of the big two companies did was the Sinestra Core War. That is the best one, but there are still ones that come close to it for me. Okay. Now, granted, are they more convoluted? Yes, but I'm just talking about the main books and whatever books that I was reading at the time, um, you know, like I would get. I think Secret Wars was amazing. I think Secret War is the best thing that Mar like event crossovery type thing that Marvel has done in some time. Yes. Right. And I'm trying to think of the last great thing that DC did that was a giant crossover. And I can't think of what, like I said, Sinestro Core War was great. But to me, that wasn't, that wasn't a a company crossover. Cause it was what we, what you wanted. It was the two Green Lantern books and one tie in with Blue Beetle. So I don't think you had those four one shots where things kind of dripped and drabbed in a little bit. Right, but I, to me that doesn't count to what War of the Realms is going to be. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't compare those two. I, I think know. that's like that would be like you know f- uh, like a Flash book and an Impulse book, you know, crossing over for uh, four issues. I look at it as, as more um, Doomsday Clock slash the Button miniseries. That's very quick, very precise. Obviously, we haven't gotten through Doomsday Clock yet, so I want to see how that ends. But that could be another one to me. The way I would compare Doomsday Clock more to Sinestro Core War than I would Sinestro Core War to War of the Realms or Metal or anything like that, because uh, Doomsday Clock just had the two Flash issues, the two Batman issues, and Doomsday Clock itself. And you could make the argument that the button stuff really isn't necessary to be read to understand or follow along or whatever it is, Doomsday Clock. Right. And I would say that first it rebirth issue too. Right. Kind of. Right. So I think, but no, I, I, you don't need it, but I think that's part of it. And I'm wondering, I looking back in Sinestro Core War, did you need those four? Did you need those four one shots? One of them you did. One Which of them was one? solicited as, well, Okay. And I don't even remember what they all were. Like, I remember there was the Cyborg Superman one, which was more or less just Cyborg Superman's origin and where he's been since this point. Right. But the other one was solicited as the Anti-Monitor. Uh, it was like the Anti-Monitor one-shot, but then when it came out, it was actually the, it was the, like the unspoiled uh, reveal that Superboy Prime was involved in all of this. Right, but it was Superman Prime. Right, but you get what I'm saying. Right, mm-hmm. So that's really the only essential one that you had to, to read. And as a completely other separate tangent, I wish DC brought back Secret Files and Origins, because I love those. Uh, like as a, as a, like one-shots here or there throughout the year? Yeah. Like an annual kind of a thing? Because I know a lot of them, because like when you say Secret Origins Secret Files, a lot of them at one point had backups in the book where it was like four pages or two pages in one book. Do you remember? Well, are you Jeff Johns would handle them the best. You know, he would do them for JSA. He would mm-hmm. do them for Flash. He would do them for whatever he was writing. And they weren't just throwaways. They were actual integral to 
what had come before and what was going forward in the books that he was writing. Right. That's what I I agree. You get those, you know, you get your little fluff piece. You get like, oh, here's a tour of the JSA headquarters. Here's a couple character profiles of the heroes and villains. And then here's this story that'll pay off in a year, you know, like stuff like that. I miss a cross cut of the Titans Tower and stuff Mm, like that. Right, that's what I'm talking about. I love that sort of stuff. I'll never forget they did one. Like, things were crazy. They did a secret file in Origins of Gotham City. Okay. It was post No Man's Land. It was after all the No Man's stuff was No Man's Land stuff was done. Gotham was being rebuilt, and the secret files in Origin was essentially like, "Here's blueprints for this building. Here's blueprints for this building. Here's all the people that work at all the like the character profiles were like all cops and politicians and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like. Oh boy, we're really stretching this premise a little thin, guys. But I, I bought it, and I read it, and I loved it. You know what I mean? Right. And you knew you knew Gotham's comptroller inside now. Right. Ah, oh, was really what makes comptrolling so special. That is true, Gotham comptrolling. But we're off the subject here. I just hope that being a company-wide crossover instead of a Thor crossover doesn't water down and make this thing. With War of the Realms that we have been waiting for nearly for five years of Jason Aaron's run on mm-hmm. Thor, you know, just like be this thing that gets like forgotten about a month later for the next whatever big thing that Marvel's doing, you know? I got what you're saying, but I don't know how you couldn't have seen it coming. Like you said, the like five to seven years of Marvel's biggest writer, you know, that they have doing a book and it weaving, you know, in and out of everything, not ending I just don't know how you couldn't see it coming with a giant, like, especially when they were teasing War of the Realms in the book. I was like, a giant war with your biggest writer, blah, blah, blah. It's, okay, I'm ready for my giant crossover, but that's the last I'll say about it. Again, I'm a dum-dum with blinders on. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of big, I guess, sweeping things, DC is doing something. Uh, Bendis is doing more comics uh, other than the three... Uh, creator-owned things that I think he had in the can and just are now getting published because they're on time, and the two <laughs> Superman books, uh, he is doing the Wonder Comics line, which essentially is all your teen heroes in the DC Universe. He's being, uh, he is co-writing Young Justice with Patrick Gleason. Uh, they're doing Naomi, which Bendis is also co-writing with David Walker. I think Naomi's a new character, or maybe she's, uh, or she's Steele's daughter. I'm not really a up on that side of things. I think she might be Steel's niece. Oh, I knew she was like a relation to Steel. I think. Don't hold me to that because I'm not a big, uh, other than the fact that he played football with Guy Gardner, that's all I really know about Steel. Um, you got Dial H for Heroes, written by Sam Humphreys, and you got the Wonder Twins, written by Mark Russell, who we've mentioned before did stuff like uh, the Flintstones and the book we'll be talking about a little bit later on in Lone Ranger. So it's four right. books, it's two, it's teen heroes, um, you know, obviously Young Justice is gonna be the flagship of this, with Young Justice being one of the big deals for the DC streaming service, of course. Uh, I don't know, I'm interested in this. I- I'm interested that they might be taking a serious take on the Wonder Twins, and, uh, all the concept art looks really cool. Don't you remember when we had a serious take on the Wonder Twins and Zan got gutted and Wonder Dog turned out to be a hellhound? 
Do you remember that? That was during, what was that, one Titans. year later in Teen Titans? Yes. There's oh. your serious take on the Wonder Twins. I that might have been a little too serious for me. What did you say? That might have been a little too serious for me. Well, that's why I don't want a serious take on the Wonder Twins. Um, but here's my take on this. I'm not as interested in as you because I feel like, isn't this like, okay, we have the DC universe. Isn't this like the seventh or eighth line DC has coming out? We had like, we had like, you know, preschool line and then we had this line and then we had that line yeah, that was DC coming up. DC Inc. and DC Black Mirror and DC Zip and Zap and Power. Right, and the, the bippin' and the boppin' and the hippin' and the hoppin' and it has, you know, Black Label and I just feel like now they have like, our, we have our DC Universe and we have, you know, you know preschool, like, you know, tweeners, this, the teenage and like soon we're gonna have our prenatal comic books I don't know. Just to me, like, get get these other ones off the ground and then come see me. Mm-hmm. You just you are just doing a lot. And it just seems like we're doing this. And then you mentioned this and I, people have completely forgotten about the other ones. OK, so here's my we actually talked about this before when they first announced like those other lines. Right. Right. So those other lines are less for the comic book folks. And those are more for your direct sales sort of things. Right. Mm-hmm. newsstand, bookstores, Amazons, whatever, whatever, whatever. They're still part of the DC universe. People like you and I, people who listen to the show, know what's up. But I know that there are people out there who tangentially are aware that these things that they watch in the movies and on TV are based on comic books. Right. And comic books that are still coming out today, Right. Like, there are people that I know that haven't read a comic book in their entire lives and know more about the upcoming Sabrina, like, the dark Sabrina show that's coming up on Netflix than I ever will in my entire life. Right. Can't wait for that, by the way. Right. And I've read every issue of the comic book, and they're like, oh, my goodness, this TV show is going to be so great because they know Sabrina from the thing. And I go, you know, those are based on a comic book that's really good. And they're like, they still make those comic books? Yes, they do. So by Well, what about Clarissa Explains It All to Sabrina? That's another, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, So you she, have that? She's actually a big wrestling fan, just as a side note. Oh, God. Melissa Joan Hart. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, Got to get her on the other show. Anyway. She's on the West Coast. Anyway. I think, though, what DC is trying to do with all these different imprints, at least the stuff that's geared toward younger folks, you know, whether it be kids, whether it be teenagers, whether it be tweeners, whatever it is, is trying to keep these things all separate so that it's kind of sending a, not an overt message, but more of a subliminal message that like you could read these books and not have to worry about the other 50 books we're publishing, that you're missing something. Right. Like if you want to read Young Justice, here's Young Justice. Here are the characters. It's part of the Wonder line. And hey, there's these other three Wonder books as well that also have teen characters in them. Maybe you want to give them a try. And you can maybe convince someone to pick up one of three other books as opposed to being like, hey, you like Batman? Well, there's nine of the Batman books. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to know what's going on in really all the Batman books, you really got to get Catwoman, too. And you really got to get that new Asriel book that's coming out soon, too. And you got to get this. And then by that point, people will just be like, I'm out. It's too much. Mm-hmm. I think by breaking these things up, the newer stuff, they're not too tied in continuity. They're not 
messing things up at least too much. And again, just in thought, in practice, this is my idea that they're doing. You got four books. You want these four books. Here they are. Nary should they cross over with anything outside of these four books. Hey, they shouldn't even cross over with the other books themselves. Until they do. Until they do, which is where you bear the marketplace out to see if the sales are, you know, higher on one or lower on another. And, you know, you got to do a little bit more market research on this. Whereas I got to hand it to DC for at least attempting some new stuff. And yes, they're attempting 20 things at the same time. As opposed to like, let's try two new things, see how they pan out, and then maybe let's throw a third thing out. It's like, hey, we announced 20 new things, and our next announcement is that we're not, like, 16 more things on top of that. Where Marvel is just completely given up. They're like, yeah, we make superhero comics. Any other publishers, IDW, boom, you guys want to do the rest of our stuff? We'll license that stuff out to you. We don't want to mm-hmm. bother with it. See, I think it's a bad thing. I don't, I don't think it's, a, like, a terrible thing for the industry. I just think it's a bad thing for themselves. I think they, their lines are going to be tripping over themselves. And the other reason I really think they, they're doing it is just to crowd the marketplace and to str- put a stranglehold on any, say, small comic book companies who are trying to make big announcements at New York Comic Con. I'm not saying strictly for for like you know for them the announcement we just made on, on the show earlier, but it's we every every cent we can make is a cent taken away from a smaller company, and I get that's how business business works, but you know I don't know I think it's a bad idea for all the lines because only only so much can be successful for your company. Anyway, right? I, I just. I, I tip my hat to them for giving it a try. Whether or not it works is another story. Right. And I'm going to go with no. But anyway. All right. So the other thing that I want to mention that was announced now, I apparently have been living, because I'm, I've been living under a rock uh, when it comes to action figures, but I've been like having it creep more into my life of late. Uh, but DC with Funko has a new line of figures coming out called DC Primal Age Action Figures. Mm-hmm. Todd, do you like DC superheroes? Yes. Hey, Todd, do you like He-Man? No, I don't. Aw, Todd, what if I smashed my He-Man figures together with my with my Batman figures? What would that look like? Bad He-Man? I don't no, know. No, it would look awesome. These figure designs look so cool. Maybe I'm just a sucker. Yes, you're a that. sucker. <laughs> yes, yes, you're a sucker. But they look awesome. There's like okay. a Joker that kind of looks like Skeletor. There's a Batman that kind of looks like He-Man. Uh, you know, you got King Shark. You've got Scarecrow that kind of looks like I don't know who. You got a Mr. Freeze that looks awesome. A Green Lantern that looks like Man at Arms, you know. And it's not like they're overtly saying like, oh, it's just He-Man matched up with the DC superheroes. But that's exactly what it is. Um, who's the... There's a Joker beast that's just like this weird purple dragon thing, but your uh, battle cat is Ace the Bat Hound, <laughs> and the Batcave playset is absolutely not Castle Grayskull. <laughs> what? It's yeah. I love it. I love it all. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. I was still an action figure collector, I'd be like, I need them all. Uh, but they're doing tie-in comics with it, written by Marv Wolfman. <laughs> with art by uh who's doing the art on these uh scott koblish who does like a lot of like the journeyman stuff over at dc you know 
I'm glad you're very happy for this. I'm very happy about this. I'm actually sad. This is one of those things I wish was stooged off to me ahead of time. Because I guess at the panel that they had for it at New York Comic Con, everyone who went got an exclusive Mr. Freeze primal age figure. Right. Um, I, I This does zero for me. Nothing. I was, I was never a He-Man. He-Man, okay, I'm a little older than you. He-Man was like, I had hit that age when He-Man started where I was getting out out of toys. So I, I owned exactly the big squadoosh when it comes to He-Man toys. Zero, zip, nada. So I I didn't read any of the comics like that came with the toy. Nothing. My, my friends had He-Man stuff, but not an ounce of it. So when this, I was, I was like, okay, uh, I know, I think Joe was a fan. Um, yeah, nothing. This, uh, when I saw this, I was like, I'll let Joe do all the talkings on this one. Yeah. I, and again, if they were doing, uh, I know they, uh, I forget what company they, they're less articulated. They're more like the star Wars figures where they just have like the, the, the head, the shoulder and the leg joints. Right. Where some company did, like, the He-Man figures like those. Mm-hmm. If they did them like the G.I. Joe figures, where they were, like, the knee the knee joints, the elbow joints, and they also had, like, the Kung Fu sw- swivel grip as, grip as well. Right, and they would, they would have the waist. You could spin them at the waist. Yeah, yeah. So you get the He-Man figures in that style. You re-release the the GI Joe figures that I had as a kid as a, at that style, and then WWE puts out figures of the same ilk. And now I no longer have a family. I'm just having my action figure wrestling federation come back to life. Probably filming it for YouTube, but I've recently learned YouTube is dying, so I would have to put it on like Twitch or something. Right. Um, people would come to the door and be like, "What did you see? Nothing, sir. I didn't say see you playing with your little men again." Good. Um. But, but now, I'm a big sucker for, like, all those throwback uh, Mego figures that they make. Right. Like, if I ever went down that rabbit hole, oh my god, it would not stop. I, there was, there was a few times where I was like, oh, like, look at that Captain Cold Mega, you know, uh, Mego. Look at that, oh, don't do it, Todd, don't do it, don't do it. You're not buying the ones based on the old TV shows of, like, Alice from the Brady Bunch or Fred Sanford or whatever? No, no, I'm I'm doing like, oh, they have a new mega-looking Guy Gardner? Yeah, I'll take one of those. I don't know. The Migos are cool, but see, this is this is where our age difference comes into play. By the time I was, like, aware that toys were a thing, the regular-sized Mego, like, I guess, what, the 7-inch Migos were already phased out, and they were doing more the pocket hero-sized things to compete with Star Wars and then G.I. Joe afterwards. Ex- Yep, exactly. That was And I had a bunch of those. I was right at that I was right at that crossroads, Joe. Right. I was there. I had the I had the you know, the, the Megos, the the Migos, and I had like the star but I had the Star Wars twelve inch figures. You remember those? Like Luke no. Skywalker, Han Solo, Boba Fett. I'm aware of them. Like I vividly oh. remember seeing like uh service merchandise had a very high stock of Darth Vader and IG-88 ones. Right, with cloth outfits, and I had those. I had the G.I. Joes that were full 
full size. I had the, the Lone Ranger figures with the wagon, with the chuck wagon that would follow along. Mm-hmm. All good stuff. I had, so I knew what big toys were. And then the GI Joes came along. As much as I loved the Star Wars and GI Joes, I was still like, man, these are so small. That's the difference between me and you. I, I'm all right with the, the, the things being tiny, as it were. That's right. I, I understand. So that's the end of news. Let's just breeze through real quickly here with the conventions this weekend, because there's a bunch of conventions this weekend. Uh, there's the San Angelo Comic Convention in San Angelo, California. There's Conapalooza in Kingsport, Tennessee, uh, where your guests of honor there are Ernie Hudson and Michael Carter, who is uh, one of my Star Wars idols and Bib Fortuna. Oh, mm-hmm. Daywan Owanga. I'd get a marked picture with him. Mm. The Vancouver Fan Expo has uh, Jason Momoa doing his best Roman Reigns cosplay. Uh, <laughs> Ron Perlman of Hellboy fame and Jaleel White is going to be there. Did I? Did he do that? Well, we're going to find out if you go to Vancouver. Yay. These are the big three, the big three dogs that are happening this weekend. There is New England Super Mega Fest in Framingham, in Massachusetts. Uh, Mm -hmm. You've got comics folks like Peter Laird and Mike Grell are going to be there. You've got people from the world of sports and entertainment, such as Vicky Guerrero and Mean... Woo, by God, Gene, Okerlund is going to be there. But possible contender for the new double mark photo. Both Jerry Mathers and Tony Dow are going to be there. Oh, uh, that was uh, Wally and the Beave, right? Wally and the Beave. (laughs) That's a big one. Now, as big as that is, Todd, we go to... Hamilton Comic Con in Hamilton Dramatic Pause, Ontario, Canada, where <laughs> you've got folks from the world of comic books, uh, your Jim Shooters, your Leonard Kirks, your Dale Keones. Then you've got people from the world of sports and entertainment, like Rob Van Dam, Jake the Snake Roberts, the Brooklyn Brawler himself, Steve Lombardi, Kelly Kelly, Cowboy Bob Orton. Now, those last two, you can kind of wait a couple weeks and go check them out in AIW November 3rd. But (laughs) uh, on the media guest side, Todd, Carol Spinney's going to be there. We know Carol Spinney is Big Bird. Final tour, by the way. What? Final tour, by the way. Final tour. Uh, Tom Wopat's going to be there. Uh, apparently, uh, John Schneider has decided to take his uh, prison sentence instead of playing uh, child support. Wow. Not saying allegedly. It was a news story. But listen to this murderer's row that we have followed up here, Todd. Mm-hmm. Butch Patrick. Oh. Richard Grieco. Wow. And David Faustino. Oh. <gasps> It's right where the time is right for the married with children, uh, you know, ch- uh, next generation. Yes. But last but not least is Ace Comic Con in Chicago, Illinois. That's the town we all want to go to. No, well, some people do. Uh, right. Comic side is top notch itself. Jim Starlin, Ron Lim, Ron Mars, Donnie Cates are going to be there. Uh, from the world of sports and entertainment, both of the Bellas, who are now evil, are going to be there. Seth Rollins, Alexa Bliss is going to be there. And then, 
on the entertainment guest side. These are those big ones, those big crazy um, photo ops. Chris Evans is going to be there. Tom Hiddleston is going to be there. Don Cheadle's going to be there. Elizabeth Olsen is going to be there. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But if I had yeah. to pick one, Todd, I'm going to New England Super Mega Fest. I'm getting the double mark photo with Wally and the Beave, and I'm going out to the bar afterwards with Mean Gene. We're going to test out that new liver. <laughs> oh, boy. You got a new liver, Joe? I think Gene's on his third. Oh, good for him. Now, with all this adventures for conventions this week, and of course, with the links to which will be all in the show notes, Todd had his own convention surprise adventure this weekend as well, going to New York Comic Con for four whole days in a row. Yes, and I missed my, my bed the whole time. Um, Get out I, your bed ship there and wait, wait for you. I could do that. Um, yeah, I went to New York for four days. I had a great time. Uh, Tom Derenick, a uh, good friend of the show, got a table. Um, so I was able to have that as a home base. Oh, my God, Joe, you have no idea how much having a home base is great when you're at a con because when things get heavy, you bring them back and put them under the table, under the you know the tarp that's there, like the, the skirt on the table, and it's so much easier, so much easier. But uh, went – and I mean, I, I hustled a lot for not that much stuff. Um, I got a ton of artwork this show. Throughout the show, I got four sketches in my sketchbook, three things on artboard, one comic book page, and then in a se- separate but weird note, when I got home, there was a mail order commission sitting on my table because my brother brought in the mail. So through it, I got nine pieces of art over the course of the weekend. And that takes up a lot of time on the show floor because you have to run here, wait in a line, get on a list, run there. Um, and while trying to see all of the, the show floor where I tried to do all aisles, there was 33 aisles in the main floor of the show. So I would do 10 aisles each day, basically. Uh, the first day is getting, like, trying to get your names on a lot of, like, lists for, for art. But then, like, f- Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was like, all right, they're done in hundreds, so it's row 100. And then you have all the booths. It would be 101, 102, 103, and they would have different numbers. So I walk up row 100, come down 200, go up 300. And that took a while. And then as the days went on, Thursday was light. Friday was a little heavier. Saturday was crazy and Sunday was crazy. Those end days, if you know what I mean, would take longer because now there's, you know, 10,000 people on the show floor where there was 8,000 or 5,000 on Thursday. So it got tougher and tougher to walk the floor. But, uh, and that's the other thing, just walking for four days straight. I'm not the young man that I used to be, but I did it like a champ, Joe, like a champ. But I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, I got a lot of art. I wish I took more pictures, but this year seemed like there was less of like, I tweeted out a lot of stuff last year of like, here's a picture of me because they were doing, I think the inhumans at the time. So they had like a life size lockjaw statue there. I would take my picture with that or, uh, the, the monopoly guy. There was something there. There was a, like a statue of the monopoly guy. A lot of things this year just seemed to be boots uh, for, uh, g- like, whatever the M. Night Shyamalan, uh, cinematic 
universe crossover movie. Is it Glass? Do you know, Joe? Yes. This is Glass. They had like a booth there for Glass. I don't know what it was, but it was walled off. You'd, you'd wait in line and go in a door and you would see something and then I guess you would get Glass swag. I don't, I don't know. Was it like Jimbo's spook house from that episode of The Simpsons where you <laughs> yes. would go in there and they would just wail on you? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe they did and you need to come out in your teeth with your swag in right. a bag. But, uh, so yeah, so there was like a lot of that stuff. And then as you got over further out of the 100s, it started to be more, uh, people selling stuff or no, wait, the, the, the like 1000 would be like Marvel booth, uh, Valiant booth, uh, the, the big booths, uh, image. And so, all right, I didn't really go to those because they're not selling anything. They're, they have specific, creator times if that makes any sense you're gonna go see uh jeff shaw at the marvel booth from one to two he's gonna be there signing and doing sketches so that's what you'd have to figure out with those booths and then when you got over to around like 1500 to the end it was all people selling stuff and that's one of the things that i was kind of sad about this show was that there wasn't a lot of really cool interesting stuff like there had been in, in, in the past years. It just seemed like a lot of people selling anything that I could have got at our local retailer. And that doesn't interest me. Like no uh, cool uh, exclusives or stuff like that. Right. It wasn't like, and I even looked over the exclusive list. Like last year I ended up getting um, uh, something for someone, uh, a Black Hammer exclusive cover because they had they had one. Um, there was a Steve Dillon, now granted this isn't cool, it was a Steve Dillon memorial, you know, sketchbook, uh, that people drew his characters and, or him and stuff. I knew a friend who was a big Steve Dillon fan, so I, I got him that. Uh, one of the, the, the workers at the, the comic shop likes comic book jewelry and there's people who make that. There wasn't a real lot of that this year. Um, so in the end I just walked the aisles and saw like Funkos and toys, um, one booth did have the Smokey and the Bandit car, the Smokey and the Bandit 2 Trans Am, but they were completely sold out of Buford T. Justice police cars. I was destroyed, Joe. <laughs> destroyed that they have a car like that out there, and I, I didn't get it at this show. Shameful. But, shameful. But one of the big places that I did is I stopped at every original place that uh, that sold original art from comics, and there was a ton of them but alas a lot of that stuff was was out of my uh price range but i had a good time i got like i said a ton of art i met creators i met jeff shaw uh i met uh john mccray i met um i on the floor mike mccone was gonna take me and josh to lunch Mm mm-hmm but we ended up, he got stuck in traffic in an Uber, so he bought us all coffees and sodas on the show floor, and we hung out for a while and chit-chatted. That was fun. Mike McCone's a great guy. If you ever see him at a show, you know, go up, get something off him, talk to him. He wasn't doing anything there. I would really would have liked to have gotten lunch with him, mm-hmm. and I'm sad that we didn't. I'm trying to think of who else I met. It was fun, interesting talking with Jeff Shaw. Jeff Shaw, uh, as I was talking to him, was like, Oh, I'm looking forward to the new Asgardians of the Galaxy. He, he, he stooged it off, Joe, that, that, uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider was going to be in it, but then they announced that later that day, so I didn't get to, I didn't get to blow up his spot on Twitter. So you had like, you had like a 45 minute, like, window where you could have stooged that off and gotten like a Mm -hmm. scoop, yeah. 
Right, but I know how creators get in trouble for that, so I don't want to do that to like we did to poor Cullen Bunn, you know. Right, just that one time. Right. So, but it was interesting talking to him and, and realizing how he's a younger guy compared to us old fogies. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to see, like when I was talking to him, I'm like, oh, like Jeff Shaw, I keep wanting to call you Scott Shaw because Scott Shaw was the artist who created Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. And I'm a big fan of that. He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, man. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, anyway, my idea of Asgardians of the Galaxy is a big 30, 30, uh, you know, character team a la Legion of the Superheroes, and then you'd have, like, five, you know, members of the team doing a story, and then you would have, like, a brief interlude, and you'd cut to five other members, and that would set up the story in the next storyline, so you could rotate in and out these 30 characters. He goes, I I don't know who the Legion of Superheroes is. Oh, no. Come on. I was was like, really? And he's like, yep, never heard of the Legion of Superheroes. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, they did this book. And he's like, and I don't want no book with 30 characters. He goes, I like having a life. He goes, if I had to drop 30 characters every issue. I'm like, no, not every issue. You'd have like five or so. And he's like, I get you. He goes, but I like I like a super team with a little less less people on it. Um, and then the, the last artist that I, that I talked to was uh, Jason Fabok that I thought was really interesting because I wanted to talk to him. And he was talking about how – People like will bag on you for what you're selling your art for now or, or what you're doing and you're Mr. Overnight Sensation. And he's like, you know, I worked in the trenches for eight years at these companies that nobody remembers my stuff. He goes, and then before that, you have to learn how to draw and you hone your craft and we're talking, we're talking, we're, you know, he's talking about that and everything. And, you know, I don't, you don't know what to say to these people. And I ended up saying to him, well, yeah, next time they tell you that. Tell them that you are a 15-year overnight sensation. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's like, I may steal that. There you know? go. And I'm like, copy nay, get nay, so run with it. <laughs> but like I said, and I got some some pieces. I didn't get to scan them yet because literally, you know, we record this on Tuesday. I got back on Sunday night, did laundry, had to go to work, had to do stuff, like get caught back up on stuff. Um, so hopefully next week. We will start uh, start uh, d- dropping in the uh, art attacks, and later today at the comic shop, I will be bringing the big one that I want you to see. Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. So Todd was teasing a bunch of things, like, "Hey, I'm getting a sketch, or I'm getting art from this person." He would just give their initials. Any guess? And I guessed a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them I didn't get. One of them I missed because I made a joke and then I moved on. And then a couple of them were not folks that were on the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, uh, I thought that was some good engagement with folks. I know a lot of people were guessing it was Jim Lee. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, Jim Blee or whatever yeah. it would be. Which uh, was fantastic. The piece in question again. I don't want to blow up your spot. Of course, it's your thing to discuss. So. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited to, to check that piece out today. And and one last thing is I did run into uh, David Markowski, who uh, is a big – he's a guy who's gotten stickers and shirts off us in the past. Yes, he's, he's, actually, the, he's the David Starr who actually is good at Twitter. Right, okay. That's his Twitter that. handle, and it? it's like David Starr something. Right, I don't know who Dave, other Dave Starr is. A guy who's not good at Twitter. 
<laughs> okay. But he got a picture. I don't know if it was his son or his nephew. I forget. I apologize, David, if I'm wrong. But they, they were there and they were the official first people to get the picture, the, the Mark photo with the new con bag, Joe. The Johnny Cash, uh, con bag. I don't know how I feel about Johnny Cash having his own corporate logo. I may, I made this bag myself. Oh, okay. Then I'm okay with it. I found some, I found a Johnny Cash, like, de- for the back of a denim jacket, and I had someone stitch it onto my bag that I just bought off of, you know, the internet and made a Johnny Cash bag. That actually, that actual patch was sold by the Johnny Cash Museum for a while, and I had to go find one to put it on the, the bag. Then that is acceptable. That's acceptable. Yes. Okay. I, I think that's a. I, I would lose faith in uh, like if it was a prize that you could win in the Johnny Cash slot machine. That's another story. I love the Johnny Cash slot machine. Right. But I had a good show, and like I said, I hope to. I think uh, as the the stories will trickle out as we, uh, you know, as I more stories will trickle out as I do each interaction with the artist. You know what I mean? Right. So, so I'm sorry. It was, it was a very boring, uh, New York comic con. Cause I was, as, as Josh was saying, I never saw you hustle. Like that. <laughs> I don't think it was boring at all. I think it was very intriguing, uh, interesting and intriguing to hear. And of course, if you want to hear more about Todd's adventures at New York comic con, you could also find out those over on after dark this week, mostly about food, Mostly good decisions, one poor decision, but you have to listen to the show to find out. What? And of course I met, you find out what? I was just say I met one of Batman's uh, wards there. Uh, you know which one was it? Wasn't nope. Damien? Nope. It, wa- nope. it wasn't, wasn't uh, 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 Batgirl. No, it wasn't Nightwing. Nope. Let's move on. <laughs> right. Same anyway. for the other show, and of course, <laughs> After Dark is one of the many shows in the soon to be named network at soon to be named network dot com. Soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Of course, this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Podvocacy, which is going through their change of life next week, uh, Everlasting Minute, which is going to have one more special edition as they finally, final, finally finished, uh, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, we also have Puzzle Warriors 3. We have Profane Argument. And I'm not checking now because I already checked before. There is no new Prodigal Sons podcast. I think we can close the book on that chapter of that show from here on out. Right. But anytime any of the folks on the network appear on their own shows, other shows, and as long as they give me the Iggy, we can make sure that it goes up on the site so you don't miss out on any of that. Uh, also over in the show notes, of course, is a link to a friend of the show, Mega Mass listener Jason Sandberg and his original graphic novel, which is available digitally through Comixology entitled Jupiter. Uh, it's eight bucks. It's a huge story. A lot of little small stories in there. It's not one of those things that you feel you have to finish in one sitting, but you probably will like I did. It's a bunch of little self-contained things that are really, really fun and a really good primer to get you involved in uh, what indie comics are really about. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully Jason sells a bunch of these so he gets to make a lot more of these and continues this outlet for his artistic endeavors. Yes. Uh, as I mentioned before, the digital sales and freebies, and there is a ton of sales, a lot of stuff left over from New York Comic Con. Uh, Image is having a sale on stuff. 
Uh, Dark Horse is having a sale on Hellboy stuff. Boom is having a sale. Valiant is having a sale. Archie is having a sale. All of these companies, their sales, you have to be careful because you have to put a code in for a lot of them. Um, Specifically, I think, because last week I forgot to make the joke about the DC sale. Mm-hmm. They're doing a, their sale this week is one not featured on the main page of Comixology. You have to go digging on the DC interface for it. And two, it's a Wonder Woman sale. No other way to exclude those two books that are not going to be named in their sale. I think from here on out, they're going to take it out because they're like, oh, Joe didn't mention on Longbox Heroes. We have to stop putting it up for sale. Oh, boy. Uh, but we shall see. Marvel has a couple sales going on. Uh, Marvel has a Spider-Women st- sale. All the different so- sort of ladies from Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl, Silk, and all people in between of these Spider-Types are on sale. The Fantastic Four Allies sale is going on. You know, your, your ancillary folks, your hangers-on, your Inhumans, your Black Panthers, your people like that. Um, included in the sale is She-Hulk stuff. Uh, whether it be John Burns' run or the Dan Slott run. Uh, two great, different, yet similar runs on a uh, un- uh, underappreciated character, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Marvel is also having a sale on Venom stuff. Uh, some new, a lot of old Venom stuff. You want the entire run of Maximum Carnage? It's here. Do you want the Planet of the Symbiotes crossover that was just in the annuals? That's here. But, Todd, you know what's not in this sale? What? What Venom story is not in this sale, Todd? Not Sign of the Boss. Todd, there is no less than from that run. And let me just go through the entire run. And I don't think this is in order. It's in like some sort of weird alphabetical order. You've got Venom, Lethal Protector. Then you've got Venom, Along Came a Spider. Venom, Carnage Unleashed. Venom, Dark Origin. Venom, Funeral Pyre. Venom, Knights of Vengeance. Venom, Separation Anxiety. Uh, Venom, Sinner Takes All. Venom, The Enemy Within. Venom, The Hunger. Venom, The Hunted. Venom, The Mace. Venom, The Madness. And you know what's missing from this, Todd? Signed to the boss. And that's a dang shame, Joe. So I say do not support uh, this sale. Check with your local site. I know in Pennsylvania, yesterday or today was the last day that you could register to vote. Hopefully you did register to vote. Write your congressman and tell them to include Sign of the Boss in the next Venom sale on, on uh, Comixology. It's going to happen. I feel it. Right. Uh, digital sales and freebies isn't updated and organized and kind of some of the dead links have been pulled out. Uh, some of the newer DC stuff that has been thrown in there has been thrown in there. And then Marvel's uh, stuff has been updated. It's a lot of newer stuff even. Uh, Avengers Invaders crossover from about eh, nine years ago is in there. The first issue of Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, a more recent run by Peter David on Spider-Man. Uh, but Champions Number 1 by Mark Wade, which is a more recent book from the last two years. And uh, Daredevil Number 1, the current arc of that. Uh, the number one of that is in there in the freebies. But like I said, all of these are going to be included in the show notes, so have at it. Mm-hmm. So Todd, let's get into what we were looking, what we read from this past week 
and I'm going to let you kick things off with one of your books. Right. We're going to start with uh, The Lone Ranger from Dynamite, um, written by Mark Russell, art by Bob Q. Um, basically, the story starts out, there's some, like, you know, uh, cowboys on the range, the free range, uh, you know, with steers and animals, and they're they're running cattle, and they come across a barbed wire fence, and he can't figure out what's going on, so he sees his neighbor, and he tells him, hey, this isn't where your land goes, and he's like, yes, it is, and they get in a tussle over it, and in the end, ends up killing the the guy who says that's not where the fence goes. Um, through hearing the bullets, the Lone Ranger ends up, you know, going to see what it is. Um, he ends up investigating and he finds out that this like rich cabal, uh, of men are going to, you know, cordon off the old west because vagrants and, and free rangers and all these people are what's ruining things and he's going to stop it. And the short order of it is Lone Ranger ends up figuring out this is going to be a war and it's going to be bad and innocent people are going to be killed. So he goes and he gets Tonto. He goes to ask Tonto for help. That's the real short uh, version of this story. Um, but I absolutely love it. This is actually one of the best Western comics I've read in a while. Um, Mark Russell with the writing for a Western, there's a line in here that I actually like when the guy tells him like, Hey, this fence, he's like, friend, I believe your property line ends back at devil's Creek. And one of the villain guys says like, save your beliefs for church, son. And I'm like, Oh, I'm in like in like a page and a half. I'm like already he he's just channeling the old West with the dialogue and like, for a Lone Ranger comic where, you know, you people remember the Lone Ranger as a black and white TV show. He shoots guns out of hands. You know, he's very, you know, like nice and, and, and proper. I'm not saying he's that in here, but he's not a murderer either. But the villains in it are like, you know, are villains. They're not cookie cutter, you know, like, oh, we're going to tie the woman to the railroad track. They're talking about slavery and like, you know, like, oh, like things have changed, but it's still pretty good the way we get to like, you know, abuse them and everything. And they curse. And I was actually taken aback a little bit of how not, you know, uh, you know, just pure this book was. And I really enjoyed it. I really had a good time and I highly recommend if anybody's looking for a Western book so far, give this a try. So as you can tell from the cover, you know, I, I kind of went into this blind myself. I, I had a little extra time this week, so I decided to read some extra things. Uh, the cover of the book shows the lone, the lone ranger, uh, involved in one of those no rope barbed wire matches that I've been known <laughs> to call from time to time. Little did I know that such a plot point of the book would be cutting wire, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not a Western guy, so I'm, I wasn't aware of the significance of this, mm-hmm. but the book made me aware of the significance of this. I was taken aback by the swearing in a good way. Because I was surprised. As you mentioned, a lot of people, when they think of the Lone Ranger, they think of something a little bit more goody-two-shoes. That's perfect way of putting it. I couldn't figure out. But right. Where this is not goody-two-shoes. There's a gunfight that's really well done, that's done like across a couple splash pages, that's really good-looking. Uh, and, you know, you're seeing... The, it gives you a good feel that the Lone Ranger is alone against these guys and their folks. And what tactics he has to use... And obviously there was a rift between he and Tonto. We don't know what that rift is at this point. 
Mm-hmm. They give you a little bit of information, and then we get like a little bit of the origin between them. Uh, I'm not going to say that it was not good, but if I had to pick a point to nitpick, was they really hammered home how bad the, and we'll just call them like the white corporate fat cats are. Right, the plantation owners and stuff. Right. If you were not aware that these people were the villains of the book, and that these are the baddies, right? They really hammer home that they have no redeeming qualities whatsoever. As to read one of the pages from the book, and again, this is not a spoiler, uh, you know, they, they talk about how they're essentially just going to, uh, you know, re- realign everything for themselves. Mm-hmm. Realign all these property lines and let anyone come. Uh, you know, in their mind, this is the speech that the lead guy is giving. Uh, we will make a place where men, women, and all races live harmoniously within their station. Women folk can remain at home happy in their domestic labors, where black and brown folks toil in the fields, where poor whites can have their guns, and a few old rich men rule it all from the porch. I love that scene. That sums up everything perfectly to me. Now, again, yes, that sums everything up perfectly, but... We've already had several pages of this 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 quintet of not jowly but to be jowly <laughs> white rich men stroking their beards and smoking their cigars and talking about how terrible they are. Where I think they could have gotten a little bit more mileage out of just this one page, as opposed to all the previous hammering these ideals home. Nope. Okay. Take it over the top. Take it over the top. Like you said, and you miss, like, having a snifter of brandy, too, makes Mm -hmm. them even, like, their drinks and everything. I'm with you. There's a lot of, but I think with it, it's the the backstory of the the Lone Ranger just being already outgunned. Like, you think he's not going to be able to ever, like, not be able to take something down, and he's already like, I'm in over my head, and I'm going to get help, and... I don't know. I I enjoyed that. I really like just make them as evil as possible and keep going. I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Like when we finally do see Tonto, he's like he's 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 a, he's a bad bad man already. You could just tell. You know what I mean? It's like when the Lone Ranger goes to find him and Tonto does what he does in that scene. You're like, yeah, I don't want to mess with him. You know, like he's already he's he's got his wits about him. Right, and Tonto's got a lot of rehabbing to do after Johnny Depp played him with a crow on his head in that terrible movie a few years ago. Oh. <laughs> did you see that terrible movie, Todd? I actually did not see The Lone Ranger. Hmm. It kind of looked bad when I saw the trailer for it. Right. That's the classic, I don't need to stick my hand in a fire to know it's hot. I don't know, sometimes you gots to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe that white part in the middle there is less hot. Let's see. Uh, so my book that I was most looking forward to coming out this week was Superior Octopus number one uh, written by Christos Gage uh, with art by Mike Hawthorne now it claims that this is a book on the edge of Spider-Geddon which is a big Spider-Man crossover that's happening uh, very soon in the Spider-Man books but it's not happening in Amazing Spider-Man or Spectacular Spider-Man, which already had me being a little bit leery to begin with. Then they announced that they were doing a Superior Spider-Man ongoing uh, coming up in December. So I'm like, all right, we're going to get this to see how I feel with this, to see if it's going to be worth it to hang around 
for a new Superior Spider-Man ongoing. Superior Spider-Man, one of my favorite uh, Spider-Man, let alone comic book stories in, in recent memory. I love that story, and I will tell everyone in the world. Right. Uh, so the premise of this is is that Otto Octavius uh, is his own version of Spider-Man. He's in a cloned body, which is kind of like the best parts of Otto and the best parts of Peter together. And he is on the West Coast, away from where Peter is in New York. And he is going to be a better superhero than anyone else. And obviously, he's still got that swagger. He's still got that kind of looking down his nose at everyone else. Um, there is still the ties to his... Uh, previous story in the Superior Spider-Man run from a few year, uh, years ago with Anna Maria, who was his girlfriend, lover, whatever it is, and then she was betrayed, and she very quickly figures it out because as smart as Otto thinks he is, he's not as smart or as good at concealing his identity. Even mm -hmm. at one point, he's making a save of a bunch of people, and one of the, like, union truck drivers who would sound like the typical union guy from Futurama in my head. Right. He's like, hey, you uh, like that Dr. Octopus guy? You know, you're using his arms. Maybe you shouldn't do that if you don't want people to think you're Dr. Octopus, you know? What, do I look like a guy who's not lazy or something? Right. <laughs> uh, so the main thing at the end, of the, uh, the, the end of the book, the main battle is Arnim Zola, who is like a cloning master for Hydra and everything comes, and Otto is trying to clear his name because just like Secret Empire ruined stories for readers, apparently it ruined a lot of characters in those books' lives. Where Otto is attempting to distance himself from Hydra, Arnim Zola shows up and says, uh, hey, uh, once you're Hydra, you're Hydra for 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 life which is, I think, where uh, Hydra stole that from the NWO, but I have to read more comics to figure that out. They have a battle. That's really good. Otto gets to hang his hat on Superior Octopus, being the Superior Octopus because of that battle. But for me, my favorite part of the book, and the part that is going to help me keep hanging on, is that battle at the beginning where Otto does battle, if you will, with the Night Shift. Yep. Okay. So, I'm like, who is the Night Shift? What is their deal, right? So they are a group of misfits, a group of, like, low-rent villains with horror-themed sort of things. Yep, that's their gimmick. Right. You've got Dancing Macabre. You've got Digger, who's a knockoff uh, um, Captain Boomerang. You've got Waxman, who's a knockoff Clayface. Then you've got the Brothers Grimm and Skeen. So... I'm like, who are these guys? And then I read, Todd, in their Wikipedia, that they were most recently in Moon Knight, about seven years ago, where they were killed by Count Nefaria. And now they're just back here, with no explanation as to why. And isn't Count Nefaria one of the people he says that Otto says that he's going to be, like, watching on the West Coast? Yes! Ah, so something's up there, Joe. Right. And so, the the trademark was probably due on uh, the, that <laughs> well, group. Well, wasn't Count so. Nefaria in, uh, oh, no, that was uh, Graviton, who's also mentioned maybe in this, or no, because Graviton yes, he is, was yes, in uh, he's, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. So, but I'm talking about the, the group with Digger, and what's the group? Uh, Night Shift. Night Shift. It's time for them. To, to re-up. It's been seven years. <laughs> so Otto shows up, stops them from uh, robbing a bank or robbing a bus or whatever it is. And he essentially says, like, I could send you to jail or 
Uh, or I could kill you, or you guys can just work for me now. The choice is yours. And I thought that was such a great scene, and you're going to have Otto with this, like, band of misfits going out there and kind of being, like, his eyes in the ground sort of thing. And then what happens with him and Arnim Zola and all the other stuff that's put in place. I'm on board for Superior Spider-Man, Superior Octopus, the new book. Bring it on. I really enjoyed this. What did you think as a new convert to the world of Spider-Folks? I enjoyed it, but I was confused at a lot of things Mm -hmm. because I didn't remember how the Anna Maria thing ended. And I wasn't sure what he was shooting. Was it octopus ink that was webbing? And they never really explained that. Do you know what I mean? I I don't know what he is. So there was just a few weird things. And then I figured out that his boss was the original boss from the Superior Spider-Man run. Um, because he says he's like, oh, he worked there and he, he had a, a nonchalant way of doing things and that had a way of blowing up in his face. So there was a lot of that, but I felt a little bit lost because I wasn't as big of a Octavius fan as you were, but I enjoyed the book. And my favorite part was, uh, the, the the team to me they seem like a low rent superior foes of Spider Man right it's like you're a low rent version of that so like I really enjoyed it and I like the whole thing he's like I'll pay you he's like you're gonna make more money than you would steal and you know puts me in a, in a shows me and I don't have to build my little you know a spider robots that would look all around I got actual eyes on the in this so I enjoyed it. I don't see me continue reading it because I have a bunch of other stuff that I want to, like I just added Lone Ranger to my list. Um, so I'm, I'm going to probably not go with this because it's not completely my cup of tea. Gotcha. Uh, so the last book that we both read is from image dead rabbit. Number one, uh, written by Jerry Dugan with art by John McCray. Mm-hmm. So you were the one that brought this to my attention. So you go ahead and take a little point on this one, sir. Right. It's basically uh, being told as it's the anniversary of a person, a robber who had robbed all. Uh, they calling him Dead Rabbit, and we have no idea why. But it's the anniversary of his last appearance, um, and they're like talking about where could he be, like where would he be now, and all these. And people are speculating, and they cut to this house with a woman in a wheelchair who's saying, "Hey, like Martin, you're on." tv and we find out like that everybody's like he was he was the, uh, a bad guy and, and we're we find out that martin isn't maybe the bad guy that he used to be he's having a bit of trouble in medical departments and stuff like that that i found funny that shot that they do that i don't want to give away and we find out that he robbed a lot of money years ago but due to his wife being in a wheelchair that it's all been you know frit- not so much frittered away as he spent it so this guy who was a, who was a a master thief or whatever is working at a knockoff Walmart in this book because he has to make ends meet and he was thinking about robbing it. But through the course of it, he sees that someone is buying supplies that would have to dispose of a body and he sees it because he just knows from the lifestyle that he was in. He goes to confront them and he finds a bad situation that he helps, but in helping he ends up, you know, getting noticed as dead rabbit after like 10 or whatever it is years, you know, have being underground um, that he had robbed the mob years ago that they, they say in this book. And now the mob's like the dead rabbits back. We're going after him. Um, 
that's a loose description of this book, but I thought it was really well done and I had a blast doing it. And with McCray drawing it, it gave me, his style's much better than he was on Hitman. I liked him on Hitman, but I think he's advanced by leaps and bounds with this. And I just like it. It gave me a Hitman feel and I want to know everything that's going on, uh, uh, with a dead rabbit's life. I really enjoyed this book. Right. So this book was completely off my radar. Um, I, I'll say, uh, I've tried a bunch of other stuff that Jerry Dugan has written, uh, whether when he took over, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, when he was writing Deadpool, when he was writing a various other bunch of things, I always gave them a try and they just never clicked for me. I don't know mm-hmm. why this clicked for me. Uh, you mentioned that it felt like Hitman. And of course that was because John McRae was involved. I felt as though his art was so much cleaner in this, and mm-hmm. I think I have to give a shout-out to whoever the colorist was on this, because I think it was the combination of McCray's art and the colorist. And again, I apologize, I don't have this right at my fingertips. Mike Spicer. Okay. Them together made this book beautiful. Now, the other thing is, usually I go and get my books. By the time I get my books, they're, I know what's coming out. I know it's been pulled. Um, they just hand me my books, and by the time I get to the shop, most of the books are put away, and I don't even look out of the shelf. This is such a striking cover. Mm-hmm. The, the, the use of the greens, the use of the reds, the way that this cover just pops. I can't imagine someone going to a comic book store, seeing this book, and not wanting to know what it was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do feel as though it moved at a very quick pace. Which I liked because I felt they could have got, if it was a different writer, if it was a different time, if it was a different company, a lot of other different pieces. We could have drug him working at the fake Walmart out a lot longer. We could have drug out the stuff with the wife a lot longer. We could have drug the stuff with him going to the guy's house out a lot longer. We could have dug the stuff out with the mob a lot longer. You get boom, 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 boom. The story moves along at a quick pace, and it's not like we're moving so fast, keep up. It's just like, whoa, this guy's life completely went off the rails at the end of one issue. And you want to see what happens next, and it hooks you in. I thought this was a really good book. Mm -hmm. I agree. From years of a stagnant life in one moment making a decision, just his everything's going to unravel for him. Right. And I want to see where that goes. And like I said, I'm with you. The colorist, it's beautiful. Um, I, I'm not going to say, you know, that Jerry Dugan's Garth Ennis, like we said, but I, yes, it had a hitman feel not to me, not just because of the fact McCray was writing it. So I look forward to this. This is immediately went on my list. And like I said, the, I knew about it. I picked it up even before I went to New York and talked to him. Um, I, I, Gave it a try, so I'm glad I did. Yes, and I'm glad you recommended it to me, so I could have got a, I got a chance to read it before we did the show. Cool beans, cool beans indeed. So that's what we read from this past week. It's going to be an extra long show. I could feel it. Let's mm-hmm. get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to LongboxHeroes.com every Tuesday around 5:30 Eastern time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print whether you get them digitally, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, make sure that you know what's coming out and be ready. 
Two of the things that Todd and I are doing in the calendar year 2018 is, one, guessing what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I think uh, there hasn't been much movement. I'm still in the lead by six correct guesses. It's getting close to the end of the year. I think I got this one in the bag, regardless of Todd saying he's given up the ghost on this or not. <laughs> uh, speaking of giving up the ghost, we're also keeping a running dollar amount of how much money we've spent to the comic book shop. And when you sent me the list this week, I thought you had made a mistake. And then I looked at what books you were getting, and then I knew you weren't making a mistake. Yep, absolute Kingdom Come is expensive. Uh, a couple other books are expensive. Right. Now, looking at your list of what's coming out this week, I have to ask, what is Cursed Comic Cavalcade? That is a bunch of horror stories, like one of those big nine ninety nine specials. Oh. Yeah, with DC, various, DC does that from time to time. Various creators, various characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, related but unrelated, uh, did you have anyone or have you come across the uh, Swamp Thing thing that exists at Walmarts? No, I did not because that came out on the Saturday or Sunday while I was at the con, and I have not had a chance to get up to Walmart at all. Gotcha. Uh, that being said, I think what you're most looking forward to coming out this week is My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies, hardcover, graphic novel, what have you. It is not. What? It is actually the cursed comic cavalcade. Ugh. Because I believe because there's a Guy Gardner versus Swamp Thing story in it. Guy Gardner's name is in the list of folks who are involved in this, and it does have a very pretty Doug Monkey cover. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would have been My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies. But you know how I am for these holidays slash horror, like you know what I mean, like anthology books. I thought I knew you. You don't know me. Is the book you're looking forward to? My heroes have always been junkies. Oh come on, Todd. It's it's new stuff from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. I. <laughs> Are you going to be able to read that before next week? Uh, I have no choice. I was just going to say by making that your choice, we you know you have to read that now. I know. Well, here I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself a little bit of an assist on this mm -hmm. to make sure that I uh, get an opportunity to read as much of it as I can. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So uh, thanks, every. Oh, we did. Listen, to me. I was almost gonna wrap up the show. She's a crow. <laughs> what am I doing? Um, so there's that. Uh, while you're over at LongboxHeroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have ever done, comics-wise, and of course the posts. For At Odds with Wrestling exist over there as well. New episode coming out this Thursday. Uh, unless something happens to the Yankees, God forbid. And uh, also, of course, is the store where you could purchase uh, shirts, stickers, or pins with our fancy logo on them. And if you don't want or need those, of course, you could also purchase anything to your heart's content uh, through Amazon. There's still plenty of time to get your Halloween costume, uh, if need be. And I'm sure uh, Amazon has pretty much any costume you want, except for, of course, the one that my kid wants. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week is someone purchased an Armor 3 USB charging cable for, like, uh, your Nintendo 3DS or 2DSs, stuff like that. Uh, someone also purchased a Merrick Grain-Free Senior Real Chicken and Sweet Potato Dry Dog Food. Okay. Someone also purchased Civil War 2 from Marvel Comics. 
And uh, oh. as a side note, someone also may have ribbed that person, saying that for the price of that, they could have just gotten Marvel Unlimited and not had to sully their home with such a comic book. But alas, uh, I do thank you for any purchase through our site. Uh, now someone actually, and I don't want to say someone... Uh, Wednesday Comics with an X on Twitter actually gave me the Iggy that he had purchased the Kensington Expert Wireless Presenter plus the service plan. It's kind of like a, uh, like kind of like a new, I would guess like a newfangled, like a uh, thing that you could do like slideshows on. Right. Right. And, uh, someone also purchased, hopefully it's a gift for me, uh, the DC F- <laughs> Funko Primal Age Batman figure. Whoa, how, how did I know? I bought that for you, Joe. <laughs> well, I wish I knew you could have got me the free Mr. Freeze one. Sure, sure, I could have done that. But thanks anyone who made any purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week. All of your purchases are greatly appreciated by me and more so by Todd. Yes, especially after my wallet is much lighter after New York Comic Con this weekend. You put some bricks in your wallet or like this new, this fangled, this, uh, fangled, uh, pocket ninja thing that I have. It makes your wallet feel a lot heavier and then you don't realize how much money you do or do not have. I just keep lead ingots in my wallet. There you go. So Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. Uh, super contributor Euronymous, uh, sent in a Kelly Williams, uh, piece that I think is Anton Arcane. But I'm not 100% sure. It looks like a, you know, a creature with one eye, but it, it definitely looks like Bernie Wrightson's version of Anton Arcane after he went to Hades there for a little uh, while. It, I'll, I gotta, I gotta cut you off there. It is the, uh, the demon that possesses the mother that he locks in the, uh, the fruit cellar in Evil Dead 2. Okay. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> that I've only I know seen... from sight. I know where you're, I know where you would think that, but. I gotta, oh. I gotta step in there. All right, nope. I'm sorry. I, you know, you know what I'd rather watch than Evil Dead Two, uh, Swamp Thing Anton, Anton Arcade. <laughs> Hopefully on the new, uh, you know, streaming DC Universe. Um, and also from the aforementioned David Markowski, who I actually saw this piece at New York. He got a. Uh, Alex Ross print with the Justice League, and I'm just gonna say I don't know if you know this, Joe, but Alex Ross's stuff always looks gorgeous. So, unless it's the you know 19 JSA covers of the characters sa- standing in the same pose, and that's not what this is. So, beautiful stuff, one and all. And again, you said you'll have some of the stuff that you picked up at New York uh, starting uh, next week. Yes. 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 All right. Unless somebody wants to come over and scan it now before the show ends. Nah, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm too busy scanning 23-year-old ECW programs on my uh, lonely nights. Oh, God. <laughs> we, uh, we Is that our life, Joe? You scanning uh, programs and me scanning art? Yes. Is that what we've become? No, Todd. Some people make other sacrifices and things and so forth uh, for their art, for their podcast, for their podcasting partner. I think that's everything, right? Yes, except for some surprise TV talk. Right. So, uh, as you know with TV talk, next week we'll be talking about The Flash. Season premiere aired as we are recording this. So we'll be talking about that here. Uh, I know starting in two weeks is when Legends of Tomorrow starts, and that's on Monday. So we'll certainly do our best to kind of talk, watch that and talk about that more day and date as quickly as we can. Unfortunately, Flash is always going to be a week behind 
Uh, but if you don't want to be spoiled by any sort of TV talk, uh, we bid you adieu. Thank you very much for listening to episode 419 of Longbox Heroes. Todd and Joe, we'll see you all here next week. And I'll give everyone kind of like a second or two here. And this is why I did the post earlier today, because I had a feeling today's show was going to go long. Yep, sorry. No, it's quite all right. Because let's get into TV talk from this past week. Uh, description of the show. Uh, three people's lives are about to change forever as a mysterious woman, unable to remember her own name, <laughs> falls from the night sky. Because, Todd, I watched the season premiere of Doctor Who entitled The Woman Who Fell to Earth, starring the new Lady Doctor. Why did you do that? Because my partner, who does a podcast, is a Doctor Who fan. And I figured I would surprise him with also watching it so we could talk about it. Wow, I am shocked. Mm-hmm. I kind of called it in the email. I don't know if you noticed it. No, I don't pay I attention was... to your – when you email me back, I'm done. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I had a feeling. I was like – it's a to me, it's a 90% chance it's Doctor Who with a 10% chance that he watched the season premiere of Walking Dead. No, no. That, that, I... sh- that slow boat to nowhere has sailed. Okay, good. Okay, good. So, do you want to t- take the lead on this, or? Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, we start off where uh they do kind of like a tease of a young man who's uh, recording a video on YouTube, mm-hmm. talking about this special woman in his life, and obviously, I think they do this as a tease because we, the the watchers of this show, know that this is the debut of the lady Doctor Who, the lady Doctor mm-hmm. Who. And that's how I'll refer to her from here on out. No, I'm just kidding, because that'll get very annoying. And Mm. one would assume that that's who he's going to be talking about. We cut to he, his grandmother, we find out, and her new husband, who are teaching him to ride a bike. Right. Now, now, okay, I have to ask you, being that you actually know Doctor Who, are these all brand new characters? Are these people that we've seen before? The, you're seeing them as I'm seeing them. Okay, I wasn't sure if there was some sort of previous relationships that these people showed up before, that they have some sort of connection to something in the past. No, brand new companions, one and all. Okay. So, he, in my opinion, he's a little bit too old to be trying to figure out how to ride a bike. Uh, they do give some information as there's a reason why he doesn't know how to ride a bike. But we don't know that. I'm sure we'll learn that a little bit later on as the show goes down. He fails. He throws the bike off the cliff that they're on. Uh, they say, hey, listen, that you're on your own. Go get your bike that you threw down this cliff. We have a train to catch. So these people, they part ways. And again, I apologize. They don't have names of people, but you, you follow where I'm going with this. Right. And also, I'm just seeing them for the first time. So it's going to take me a, like to learn their names. I don't know their names yet either. Right. So uh, as he goes down the hill to get his bike, which is in a tree, he notices, like, this swirly golden square that's floating in the air. Mm -hmm. And he touches it, and that's the catalyst for everything that's going to happen. As a giant blue Hershey kiss crash lands (laughs) where he is, that is cold to the touch. So he calls the police, and then we cut to a policewoman who is handling traffic disputes... She's upset that she has to handle traffic disputes. She's been on the force for two years. She feels she should be getting a little bit more bigger things. And she runs in this, and that's how, like, that's her introduction to all of this, right? Mm -hmm. So then, the previously seen uh, 
the and again I I feel bad for just saying the guy, right? Uh, Dean is his name, maybe no. The from the the young the younger guy who on the bike. Yes, Carl, I, maybe. I think so. I'm gonna look it up as you go. Okay. So his grandparents are on a train. Something comes down and hits the train, and then this big giant like tentacle ball comes in. Right. And the tentacle ball is kind of like looking at everyone that's on the train, which is these two folks that we saw before. And another person is kind of like just listening to headphones and the train conductor, right? Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes crashing the doctor. This is the debut of the new doctor. She's all confused and befuddled, which is, I guess, a thing that happens when you regenerate. Yes, it, it throws you off while you're cooking, becoming the doctor you're going to be. Okay. Cooking. Mm-hmm. So uh, everyone's afraid because whatever this thing is, it's going to kill us. The doctor says, no, if it wanted to kill us, it would have already killed us. So it does something to everyone. And obviously we see it. We, the watcher of the show, sees that it implants something because like everybody gets like a little gold thing on it and then it flies away, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... The doctor's trying to figure things out, has clothes on that it doesn't recognize, figures out from talking to the people that she's a woman, says hasn't been a woman in a while, and I have to ask you, isn't this supposed to be the first woman doctor? No, he says that, uh, wait, no, yes, it's the first woman doctor, they so I don't know. They say she, and he goes, she, and he says she, or the doctor says she, he's like, yes, you're a woman. He goes, oh, I haven't been a woman in a while. Okay, I didn't catch that line exactly. I could be but, wrong, but I again, that's something that that's something a real Doctor Who fan would have picked up on, Todd. Right, it is true. <laughs> Which is me. Um so try to figure things out while they're on the train and then uh Carl runs into Yasmin who is the police officer just handling the traffic tickets. They find out that they went to school together. Okay, I'm going to give you the names. The, the old guy is Graham, Ryan is the young guy on the bike, Yaz Ryan. is the cop, okay. and Grace is uh, Graham's wife. There you go. Okay, so Ryan mm-hmm. and Yasmin. I think those are the ones we're going to have to focus on a little bit more as things go on. Right. So it's already been too long, so these guys, can't, she, he's like, oh, we have to go back to where my bike was because I have to show this thing, right? Mm-hmm. They get there, the thing's not there anymore. Turns out these other guys took it, and they're filming it, because I guess this is not the first time that this thing has come to Earth. Right. They're implying that at least the person who stole the giant kiss, who we don't know is yet, knows something about him. And he's like, well, you've come back, and where is my sister? Right. We learn that this thing has been here seven years ago. It took his sister... It hatches from the giant Hershey kiss, ends up killing him and taking one of his teeth, which will come into play a little bit later on. Very long story short is whatever race of aliens this thing is from. And uh, like, I don't think this is his name, but the doctor calls him Tim Shaw. Yes, his name. And I actually watched the episode with subtitles because sometimes the accents throw me, even though I've been watching it. And his name is like T-Z-I-M-S. Like, it's really weird. And she's right. like, and he's like, Tizim Shah. And she's like, Tim Shah? Yeah. He's like, no, Tizim Shah. And she's like, Tim Shah? 
And so, yes, I, so she ended up calling him like this weird regular Earth name for this space creature. Right. So whatever race this space creature is from, every certain amount of time, seven years, a person on Earth is chosen at random for someone to go and hunt to show their superiority, their domineering, their whatever it is. And the trophy that they bring back is a tooth from their kill which he embedded into his face and he takes off the mask and you see the cool special effects, I thought, of him with a whole bunch of teeth in his face. Right. He's a predator who, uh, basically he's, the, the, the gist is he's the predator, but he takes teeth as, uh, as the trophy. Right. But the guy that was really marked wasn't the guy who took the Hershey kiss that he came to Earth in. It was the other guy who was on the train, the guy who had the headphones on, who's just mm-hmm. like a regular crane operator. So now there's a scramble for the doctor and these these four other people to go and save this guy from Tim Shaw, they do not without casualties. Right. The Ryan's doctor gram- then also during all of this, the doctor rebuilds her sonic screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And again, maybe it's a little unclear the the materials that she used with it makes it more powerful or something. No, uh, the materials that she used, she just says as a joke, and I had to look this up because it would be like me not not knowing the cities in England. She ended up using Shetfield steel, which looking up is Shetfield was like a Pittsburgh in our country where everything there was like that was where are their steel mills and all that stuff. And they they one of the big things they made was spoons, and she finds the spoon and she smiles because Sheffield was famous for making kitchen utensils and everything like that. So she ends up using the the making a sonic screwdriver, which they never really showed one being made before, and she's using good old fashioned Sheffield steel. You know what I mean? So a lot of in stuff from England there that I actually even had to look up. Right. So. Uh, the doctor, after this mission is over, yes, we're all sad because of a thing that happens. Uh, we learn what the, uh, young man Ryan's video was about, not the doctor, but something or someone else. And the doctor then sets a whole thing up, builds a thing so that she could find her TARDIS. And they all get sucked off in there somewhere in the deep reaches of space, it seems. Right. In the vacuum of space, unprotected. Right. And then it plays the uh, Eric the Midget, uh, Eric the Actor, my apologies, Eric the uh, Actor theme song to end the show. Right. Which is, uh, I don't know, I guess Doctor Who is attributing it to Eric, who had passed away a few years ago. R.I.P. Right. Eric. <laughs> In memorial. In right. memoriam. Um, so, Todd, what did you think of uh, the season premiere of Doctor Who? I, <laughs> so you're going to ask me first? Um, I really enjoyed it. Um mm-hmm. The female doctor, I like that they did the one thing that I that I liked is the through the whole thing they didn't play uh, being a female is better. Just like all these years we've had a male doctor, I'm fine with the switch. I bought into it. Um, I thought there was a few heavy handed uh, like hey like change comes and you have to accept it like written into the into the dialogue and I was like okay there was two times where I was like all right I get what you're saying but it's been done before on the show when regeneration happens they're kind of heavy handed with hey you're gonna have to accept this so I was cool with it um, regeneration episodes are always are kind of weird for the first three quarters because like you say the character isn't the doctor they're like who am i what's going on neurons firing and then there's always a point where the character becomes the doctor for me and i could give you the list of every modern doctor where 
I'm like, that is the doctor right here, right now in that moment. And it's the moment where she's standing on those two sky cranes and Tim Shaw's on the other sky crane. She's like, you don't have to do this. And he's like, there's nothing you can do. And she's kind of like, he's, and who do you think you are? Like, you know, trying to stop me. And that's where she has the speech, like where I'm glad you asked me this. I'm the doctor and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And she says it with authority and I'm going to do it. And she ends up unselfishly leaping from like risking her life to leap from one crane to the other, to save someone she's met for all of 30 seconds. And I'm like, that's the doctor unselfish, you know, like all the things. And from there on out, like the tragedy befalls as it always does follow the doctor. And it followed all the beats for, for the doctor. The only thing that has changed is she's it's, it's a female doctor now. And I've, Fully accepted it. Completely all in. You did everything you need for me to do it. The last like quarter of it, I loved. The funeral, the going off into space with the cliffhanger. I'm like, give me the next episode now. And I thought it was better than it's been in a long time. What I liked the most was that they explained a lot of stuff to dumb people like me who don't watch Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. assuming that a lot of people were going to watch this, and I guess this did really good in the ratings. Right. Uh, both on both sides of the pond, as it were. Right. And uh, they did a lot of explaining stuff to newbies, and I saw that there were some folks, um, not a lot, but un- enough that I noticed, uh, people that are big Doctor Whovians, is that what we called them? Mm-hmm. No, Doctor Whoers, is what we called them Whoers. Is what we <laughs> yeah, called. Whoers right. on this show. Um that they were like, oh, a little bit too much uh, explaining stuff for the new folks. It's like, well, you ain't going to get new people watching. You know, you do have a fan base, and it's a very strong and healthy fan base. But if you want to expand that fan base, you might need to dumb things down a shade, maybe for that first episode or two. So dum-dums like me, who decide to watch it, aren't completely, you know, confused and don't come back for episodes two or three or four or whatever. Right, like we haven't seen the TARDIS yet. You know what I mean? So when the TARDIS shows up and you've seen an episode or two, it's bigger on the ep- bigger on the inside. That's going to be explained. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm fine with it because it is the first episode of a new Doctor. Like you, like as this goes on, you don't have to explain every integral thing anymore of this Doctor. But as long as she's around, like the, when the next one comes, lay the groundwork again because you may get somebody. New watching it there, and I'm fine with it. I've guess what, Joe? I've been through this a few times. I can imagine once or twice, yes. Right, so I'm fine with it. Uh, but I enjoyed it. My my only real complaint of it is, and this is just a me thing, uh, that I'm used to. If it's a show that's an hour long, that it's going to be like 44 minutes and change, mm-hmm. where this was like an hour long. Right, because Without over there they don't jazz, have commercials. Yeah. Right, what? Right, exactly. Without commercials, it was an actual hour long. So it's like, oh boy, I'm in for this in the long haul. Here we go. Right, I gotcha. But uh, I was, I, I enjoyed it. It kept my interest. I, uh, I enjoyed uh, the Doctor Who. Cool. I can't wait to hear your take on issue episode two. Mm-hmm. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> what? What? Oh well. Now we'll see. Uh. It's it's going to be tight this weekend with uh, Ace's birthday party and six other birthday parties that we have in two days. And Flash. And Flashykins. 
But uh, yeah, we're uh, you know we're here. We're let's talk Doctor Who. And you know what? It's only ten episodes this season, so mm-hmm. so that even cuts some off there for All you. All right. So hey, we did a we did a we did a show today, huh? Yep, we did an extra long show, but I am so glad you watched Doctor Who, Joe. Was it a pleasant surprise? Did that make your return uh, from New York to northeastern Pennsylvania worth it, that you got to talk Doctor Who? Yes, with you of all people. Right. Wow, I may even watch some some wrestling at Adams next time I go there. You still got that one thing that you have to watch from all in. Right. I don't know if he told you my take on that, but we'll discuss that when we get off. Right. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to episode 419 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You have to make the choice. That's the Thursday night game. Hey, guys, it's Joe and Asa here for week six. Yeah, six. Yeah. We only got six right last week, too. Okay, so Asa was already lamenting. He has to pick. Eagles or the Giants? Two of my favorite teams. I don't know which one to pick. You need to pick one. I think the Eagles. Okay. How about this one? Buccaneers or Falcons? Falcons. How about this one? Browns. No, not Browns. Chargers. How about this one? Jets. Okay. How about this one? Seahawks. Say it a little louder. Seahawks. This one? Oh, Patriots. No, that's not Patriots. That's Panthers or Redskins. Panthers. Say it louder. Panthers. This one. What? This one right here. Bills. Bills or Texans? You're going with the Bills? No, Texans, are you sure? Yes. Okay, this one. Vikings. Okay, he's opening up a starburst. You have to bear with him. How about this one? Steelers, of course. How come, of course, Steelers? It's a popular team. Oh, okay. Yeah, Eagles are in the Giants also. Right. How about this one? Dolphins. How about this one? Ooh, Rams. How about this one? Titans. Titans. Okay, hang on. That is the end of week nope. 17. We got three more games. Oh, Jaguars. Chiefs. Chiefs or Patriots? Chiefs. Okay. 49ers. Done. Wait, no, no. Bye come bye, humans. Hang on. Bye bye, humans. Come here. Hey, uh, so this is going up tomorrow, which is the 10th. Gonna tell everyone what's going on on Friday. It's my birthday. And how old are you gonna be? Seven. Seven. He's a good podcaster. He's talking with his mouth full. Bye, everybody. <laughs>